0: Welcome, and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska
1: Judicial Branch.
0: Greetings, and thank you again for joining us. I am Gene Cotter, your host. Today, it is my extreme pleasure to welcome back for a second time the Chief Justice, Mike Heviken. Chief, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. So we have the distinct pleasure today of debriefing something that had been your mission for a while, and that is you have done something each summer, save for maybe a COVID summer, that we called the Chief's Tour, where you kind of set out to visit the courthouses in all 93 counties. Tell us a little bit, if you would, about
1: things that stood out for you while you were on your tour. I think it's always uh, important to get input from... Uh, local folks, the clerk's offices, the local attorneys, and of course judges, and everybody else involved with the court system. So that always is a standout to me, to see uh, the wonderful work these folks are doing and to get input from them on various topics. This trip, uh, we also had several listening sessions with Native Americans, uh, so uh, that was important and and that certainly comes to mind. Issues about uh, technology, like the use of YouTube in Lexington, stands out, and of course, Showcasing a couple of counties that have combined clerk of the county court with the clerk of the district court, uh, I think, was also important. Chief, one of the things
0: that you just mentioned was the community engagement sessions. And I know on the tour, we had one in Scotts Bluff one night. We had one in Rushville, Sheridan County the next morning. I know that was a culmination of four or five or six listening sessions that started pre-pandemic and then got interrupted by the pandemic. But could you talk just a little bit more about the purpose behind those listening, those engagement sessions and some of
1: the things that came out of it? Well, the purpose behind the engagement uh, sessions is to get input primarily from Native Americans about their feelings about the court system, uh, where they think we have some deficiencies, where we might have some strengths. And uh, a lot of these folks have had contact with the court system, and they gave us a lot of input, which I think is very important.
0: I know other things that have occurred during the tour are Mark Weber from the Council for Discipline's office have traveled. They provide attorney education throughout the tour, and then there's also bar events going on. How important is that facet of kind of making sure that we are functioning as a judiciary, making sure that we have education out there for attorneys, that we're all kind of on the same page with things?
1: It is extremely important. Obviously, we have mandatory continuing legal education for all attorneys, and they very much want to hear from the council for discipline, and uh, they also want to hear about NLAP, which is uh, the services that are provided kind of uh, jointly uh, with the Bar Association and the Supreme Court for problems that attorneys might be having in regard to addictions or mental health issues or aging out issues, those kinds of things. So those presentations are popular with lawyers, and they were presented in a number of venues uh, with our folks, kind of jointly with the uh, State Bar Association. And part of that effort also is an effort to engage young lawyers uh, in greater Nebraska and encourage young lawyers to uh, locate in, in greater Nebraska.
0: Chief, I was going to ask you about that specifically. A couple of different initiatives, and I might be using that term fairly loosely are the the rural attorney programs i know in one of the tours we were at the university of nebraska at Kearney, and i think participated in a breakfast or a lunch if i remember right that kind of highlighted that program Uh, and then there's also we've i think we're up to 10 now where we have joint clerks of the district court and clerk of the county court uh, we ran into that several times, but could you just briefly talk a little bit more about the program that is is trying to bring additional attorneys into, I guess, underserved
1: from an attorney perspective uh, areas of the state. Great. This is an effort uh, that needs to really involve everybody in the profession and and lots of other folks too, county boards and city councils and mayors and uh, all that sort of thing. The University of Nebraska Law College has a great program, which they started by partnering with uh, Shadron State and by partnering with uh, University of Nebraska Kearney and with Wayne State, I believe. Uh, And they may have expanded it uh, in other ways, too. But the idea is to get folks in their undergraduate years to sign up in uh, kind of pre-law programs uh, with a commitment to uh, go to the University of Nebraska Law School. I believe there are financial incentives to do that. And uh, I think it is a program that is doing quite well.
0: So the other thing I discussed, and we started our tour in Garden County, met in Oshkosh, and we met a couple of different clerks that I think serve as joint clerks of the county and district court. As I said, I think we're up to 10. I know we have them in like Polk County. They're down in Frontier County, just mentioned in Garden County. But could you just maybe tell us a little bit about the feedback you've gotten from those clerks around what it's like now, uh, and maybe from the judges that serve within those courts, uh, the, the county boards, the communities around some of the early feedback around those joint ventures? The feedback
1: we've had is very positive. Um, I think that uh, we are able to give better service to our judges, and and that's the kind of input we're getting, particularly the district court judges, by utilizing our clerk magistrates combined as the clerks of the district court as well as clerk magistrates for the uh, county court clerk's office. Because we all use the same... Technology now. We all use the same justice system, and uh, there is mandatory e-filing for attorneys uh, and so forth. Um, really, we have a unified system, and it is helpful, I think, to lots of folks, particularly in counties that have clerks of the district court who are also who also have other county offices as part of their responsibilities. Um, I think it is. It's helpful in those counties to combine the two clerk's offices. It is more convenient for the public. It uh, ultimately will save money for the counties, and we get more support for our district court judges in particular.
0: Chief, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, I've kind of neglected to talk about probation and problem-solving courts. Mm -hmm. They were a big part of the uh, tour throughout uh, involvement. You finished, I think, last week with a presentation on maybe... A problem-solving court in Hall County. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you just discuss a little bit some of the interactions you had with probation and problem-solving court staff while you were on tour?
1: First of all, we toured the new day and evening reporting center in Lexington, Nebraska, which is a great facility, strongly supported by the county commissioners in that county and and by the taxpayers in that county, which is great. It provides uh, lots of services for folks who are on probation or in Uh, a problem-solving court uh, who are working through those typical problems of people in the criminal justice system they may have uh, substance abuse problems they may have mental health problems they need help with getting a job. uh, They may need help with housing, those kinds of things. The day and evening reporting centers are kind of one-stop shopping centers for people uh, on probation and and people in uh, our problem-solving courts. So the new day and evening reporting center in uh, Lexington gives uh, the probation folks uh, a whole lot more space uh, and makes interaction with their clients, uh, I I think, a lot more easy and efficient. And it's a very positive thing. Um, We also... Met with our judges in Grand Island who do problem solving courts, and also we had judges there from Kearney. So they've got a number of problem solving courts in those communities. We've got drug courts, we've got reentry, uh, we've got a reentry court, and we've got a veterans court, among others. And again, judges there who are very enthused about those problem solving courts. Um, and uh, as you know, in probation, we measure the results of those things very closely. Some of those courts are very new, so we're just beginning to measure them. But um, I think we have had great success with problem-solving courts, and I think we will we'll continue to have success with them as long as we make sure that we have very high standards uh, and that we are uh, carefully measuring the outcomes and the recidivism rates in those courts. Something that has stood out to me, as I've been fortunate enough
0: to travel with you for -hmm. for a lot of these tours, is the engagement you've had with the recipients of the services of the court, whether it be the participants in a problem-solving court or the probationers in, like the SAS program. I think when you first started going on tour, the SAS program was kind of in its infancy. But you have always made a point of interacting with with the individuals that are on probation or in the problem-solving court. Uh, How beneficial has that been to you and the rest of the judiciary just to get the input? Uh, It's kind of like the public engagement session in in a different setting, but how important has that feedback been to informing you on we're doing things the
1: right way or maybe we need to change things up or whatever? It's extremely important. I started off Life as a great skeptic of problem-solving courts, um, but largely because of the input of people who are enrolled in those courts. Come to see them as being very positive and beneficial. If you ever go to a graduation ceremony for problem-solving courts, you'll hear people talk about how problem-solving courts saved their lives, saved their families and have given them uh, new energy and made them contributing members of of society. When you talk about the problem-solving court, one of the things
0: that you obviously had the opportunity to do, visiting all 93 counties, seeing every court, having all of these experiences, probation... The way we do business as a judiciary, the problem-solving courts, you name it, reporting centers, Office of Public Guardian, attorney services, etc., has changed significantly over the last 10 to 15 years. It's got to be fulfilling for you to get out and actually see that evolution from when you took office until where we are today, doesn't it?
1: It is indeed all of those expansions, if you will are things that um, are designed to help our trial court judges and designed to help the communities around the state deal with uh, problems that they might be facing, most related to the criminal justice system. But things like the public guardian obviously relate to broader issues in that context with conservatorships and guardianships. But many of those responsibilities are things that the legislature gave us uh, in preference to some other possible placement in state government. And they did that because uh, they thought we would do a good job of it. Uh, And I think we have largely. We have also provided much more sophisticated services for example in regard to interpreters in our courts so the courts have evolved tremendously uh, not just because of me or or any other single person in the court system but because courts have evolved all over the country we are doing more things than we used to do and that necessarily means that we have to be uh, more sophisticated in the way we do them and I think we've tried to do that uh, as best we can, and uh, and I think it's important that we always evaluate all all of those programs to make sure that they are efficient and that they are functioning as as best as they possibly can. And I'm glad I
0: mentioned language access because that was something that I was thinking about as you were answering. I also thought about we had representation from the Office of Dispute Resolution and some of the mediation centers in attendance last week, especially at the Public Engagement Center. So those are just uh, you know I've been in the judicial branch for 30 years and just the the evolution of services and the growth that we've experienced and the good work that is done is fantastic. So 93
1: counties down, what now? Uh, we're going to start visiting counties for a second time or a third time or we're going obviously be redundant, if you will, of places that we have visited, but it's been a few years since we've uh, visited some and uh, we will be looking forward to that. You are also aware that the court now goes to high schools around the state of Nebraska. So we don't just have a summer tour. We we uh, go to high schools to have oral arguments. And we have a number of those lined up for the coming year, I believe, Nebraska City uh, in a month or so, and uh, O'Neill later in this first half of the year. And I don't recall exactly which school, I think maybe Papillion, we're going to in the Omaha area. And then we'll be visiting another school in the spring in greater Nebraska. But those are also areas where we engage in local communities. And I hope we provide a learning experience for a lot of people, both adults and with kids. And uh, you never know who you touch. And. The sort of educational side of things, but we're hopeful that a lot of young people who see those oral arguments in person are going to uh, eventually be lawyers or otherwise uh, participate in a positive way in the justice system. I think, in my opinion at least, that
0: your tour has actually helped bring access to the courts in a completely different way. Chief Justice Mike Heviken, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: This has been another episode of Your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on your favorite podcast platform.